How are we all this morning? Oh man, I'm hotter than a curry already. I don't know if it's the Holy Spirit burning inside me or whether it was the, the toast I had for this morning for breakfast, not sure. How are we church? We good? All right, there's 10 of you. Let's try this side. Over this side, you good? That's good. I need feedback. I need to know you're listening. It's going to get rowdy. You're right, Dan. You're going to get rowdy. I'll keep my arms down too for the blessing of others. <laughs> All right. So the first thing I want to do is say thank you for the opportunity to share this morning. I know I've had a little couple of cameos in the last few months with Offering Word, which I've loved. Um, but this is big. This is a real honour to be able to be asked to, to preach and share to all you wonderful people. And so I'm very, uh, very privileged and very thankful for the opportunity. And before I start, I actually also want to say thank you for all of your prayers and your support over the last three months. Because um, the guy that I'm going to speak about today, um, I can relate a little bit to him. And my journey's been kind of a little bit more condensed compared to his. But I've got great news. I start my job tomorrow. For those that weren't aware, I was let go three months ago, ridiculously, stupidly, I don't understand why, but God knows. And part of the reason I'm dressed like this is to make sure my work clothes fit. And uh, <laughs> I'm very excited that everything fit this morning uh, in preparation for tomorrow. You can't rock up in shorts and thongs, it's not appropriate. The last few weeks there's been some awesome messages. So Jimmy shared a couple of weeks ago, um, and I love what he shared about in relation to declaration, and putting on the armour of God, getting us ready, getting ready for each day, getting ready for each week, getting ready for the challenges and so on, just to making sure that we're prepared. Last week we had Pastor Mark here, and it felt like flashback weekend. Scarily I knew every word to every song that he played up there, because um, I've been around for a little while. And um, for those that don't know, um, and before I get stuck into it, um, my history is that I'm a pastor's kid, and I've been a pastor's kid basically my whole life. <laughs> Apart from a few years where Dad was doing something different. And speaking of miracles, my mum and my dad and my sister are here this morning. <laughs> I can't talk about that, otherwise I'll get misty. But uh, it's, again, another privilege. I didn't tell them I was preaching. They just happened to be down this weekend to catch up with family and I let slip that I was preaching and they said, well, isn't that a blessing? And I said, well, let's wait for the 40 minutes that I do and see if it's a blessing or not. And then I look forward to debriefing over the uh, lunch table to make sure that I've got it all right. Because <laughs> that's what we used to do in church. We always debriefed about how things went. But today I really want to talk to you about a guy who's one of my favourite characters in the Bible. He's not really a character, he's real. And that's Elijah. Who knows Elijah? Hands up. Who am I preaching to? Okay, half of you do. The other half, you're in for a real trip. This guy's awesome. I love this guy because I can relate to him. Because when he's up, he's up. And when he's down, he's down. He's what you call a toilet seat, this guy. He's up and down. Unless you're in an all-male house where it's probably up all the time. Or newly married. You need to learn that real quick. <laughs> but I love this guy. And if you want to follow in the Bible, we're going to follow through First uh, Kings and we're going to kick off at chapter 17. 17 we're going to start. And so he kind of just pops in in First Kings. It says in chapter 17, And Elijah arrived to speak to King Ahab. 
Now, at the time, Ahab was a tool, okay? He was an awful king. Uh, he was in Israel. He was married to a, a fairly nasty piece of work called Jezebel. So if you ever call anybody Jezebel, that's not very nice because she was a piece of work, this lady. I don't know what she looked like or, or what uh, wily way she had, but she was obviously the first supermodel in the Bible because she clearly corrupted a whole bunch of blokes. And she was a pretty nasty piece of work too because she was knocking off prophets like it was popping Tic Tacs. That was her go. She wanted to annihilate the Word of God and she was pulling old Ahab's puppet strings. All right? So this guy wasn't standing up against his missus. He was pistol whipped, clearly. And she was a piece of work. And so anyway, Israel had been in drought for six months. And I can relate to what it's like to hear about a country in drought because we're in one. I'm not very happy about it. But I'm encouraged by the fact that God knows. And that's what I want to talk about today. Because my family are farmers. And my family are doing it tough. Stop it. And this is where the story of Elijah really encourages me. Because this is about a country in drought and a country in need of Jesus. Well, God back then, but Jesus would have been about. And so the amazing thing is this guy had the front to walk up to the king and go, Righto, mate, you're going to be in drought for a further three years. And the king goes, what are you talking about? Mate, I'm just telling you, three years, you're done. You're cooked. And the next thing he did was he nicked off. Gone. He's run in, done a cameo, told the king off, and then nicked off. And Jezebel wasn't very happy about this. And so she obviously wanted to knock him off. But if I was Elijah and he was living today, you wouldn't want to play hide-and-go-seek against this guy because he hid for three years. Three years. God sent him to this place where he sat by a brook and not only that, the guy gets fed by ravens. Can you believe this? And not just, you know, rice crackers. You know, he's getting meat and bread. In my day, it'd be a cheeseburger and a can of Coke. Or maybe a man shake and a rice cracker. <laughs> and so here's this amazing man of God. He's just told the king we're going to be in drought. And he goes and finds a place where there's running water in the brook. And he can sustain himself. And then you think, what is this guy doing for three years? What does he do? Apart from playing hide and go seek. But clearly they're daft. They can't find him. You would have thought you'd go where there might be some water. That's just me. <laughs> might have found him a bit quicker. And I was sort of dwelling on it. I said, what does this guy do for three years? And it says in the Bible, he obviously prayed. But I think he would have done more than that. I'm tipping he came up with some stuff. I'm tipping he was the one that maybe started the Pentecostal two-step. He just put him in there. Come on, Jesus. Come on, God. We've got this thing. And I've got no doubt that God's great dance floor was the tune in his head when he was doing it. And he would have been just shimming around because he couldn't just sit there. He didn't have... Game Boys, oh, that's old. <laughs> iPhones, bring the millennials back, hello. Amazing. And he's there dwelling, waiting for God's instruction. And then the next instruction comes, because the brook dries out. Surprise, surprise, it's a drought. The water runs out, like some towns across our country at the moment. The water's running out. That would be scary. I'd hate to be in a position where you couldn't turn on the tap and nothing comes out. But God's got it under control. You've got to believe he's got it under control. Because then the next thing he does, he says, right, mate, get up. You're going to go and see this lady. All right, I'll go see this lady. And he bumps into this lady and she's a widow. 
And basically, she's there and she's down to her last piece of oil and her last bit of flour. And Elijah comes up to her and says, hey, do you want to go get me some bread? Again, pretty bold, this bloke. Here's this poor lady. Now, I grew up that it was ladies first. Whenever you went to a church luncheon or even your house, ladies first. And here's this bloke who's got more front than me. Go up and say, I need you to bring me something to eat. And she says, but this is it. This is it. I'm coming to make my last meal, and then I'm cooked. We're Gornskis. That's it. We're over. My son and I, kaput. Nothing left. And Elijah says, you feed me, and then that little jar of oil and that flour will keep going until it rains. Can you imagine that lady? Here she is, five seconds away from going, oh, that's it. (laughs) Gone. And then every morning she's coming out to the kitchen and going, can I watch today? And I would imagine if I was here, I'm going, just let me watch. Don't do it first thing, just let me watch. And I watch that little jar of oil go, Whoop, and the bag of flour go, <laughs> make some more bread. Now, she didn't go and open a bakery, right? She wasn't blessed to say, right, go and do everything there. She had enough to get her through every day. That was her blessing. You know, she wasn't open a chain of Baker's Delights Palestine or anything like that, right? That wasn't happening. And then from that, the next thing for this poor lady is her son dies. But then Elijah's there and going, don't worry. Prays for her, ask God, boom, back, healed. So in the space of two chapters, this guy is not only told a king off, he's gone and played hide and seek for three years and been fed by birds. Outrageous. Imagine what that is. Wouldn't know about a clock, he just looked up and there's, here they come, fed, you beauty. What do we got today? Steak tartare, delicious. Probably told the raven it's got to get a medium well tomorrow. Not real good with raw. <laughs> Sees a lady who isn't a believer, shows the power of God by not only blessing her by bringing her son back to life, but every morning she comes out until it rains and sees the pantry whoop, come to life. Amazing. So then what happens? Well, then he bumps into this dude because God says, righto, it's time. It's time to go back. I can't find you, so it's time to put your hand up and go, can't find me, let's go. And he runs into this guy, Obadiah. Now, a story about Obadiah for me is that when I was at uh, uni with my sister, much to her challenge sometimes, going to the same university as I was, she was a year behind me, she did pass me very quickly. <laughs> and when you take library books away from the library without checking them out, that is frowned upon even in a Christian environment. <laughs> And I had this study to do, and they said, you've got to pick someone out of the Bible. And of course, back then, when you're stupid, you go, oh, who's got the less words? So I picked Obadiah. I'm like, how good is this? Two and a half pages in the Bible. My assignment was more words than there was on him in the Bible. It didn't end up well for me. <laughs> if I could have copied and pasted it, I would have said, mate, i got nothing. Just read this. There's 1,500 words. This guy's done nothing. But he did, he had a purpose, he just makes a cameo. And the poor bloke, he's been actually doing awesome work for God because he's been hiding the prophets away from Jezebel. He's been sticking them in caves, getting them away from this lunatic lady and weak king. And then he bumps into Elijah and Elijah says, right, this is what I want you to do, mate. I need you to go back and tell Ahab that, uh, to meet me on, the, on, Mount, on Mount Carmel. When I was young, I thought it was Mount Carmel and I thought, what a wonderful place this would be to go to. Where is this Mount Carmel? The power of a missing letter. 
And Abadiah's going, man, what are you doing to me? I'm hiding all these prophets. I'm on the hit list and you want me to go back. She says, just get them there. And it was going to be a God-off, battle royale, which God's alive and which one's a statue, an ornament. Like all these people bring back from Bali. Just leave him there. Ridiculous. Stupid fat Buddhas. <laughs> Ridiculous. And here they gather on Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel. And there's 750 of his prophets versus one in Elijah. One guy versus 750. Sounds like a Hollywood movie. One guy versus 750. And Tip and Elijah look like Rambo. Just was ripped and ready to go. Because he wasn't eating any fat. He was just eating bread and, and meat. He was on the first keto diet. <laughs> and so he rocks up there. And he says, righto, let's go. You gyrate around and see if your God is real. And let's have a challenge. Let's set this thing up. Let's get this altar here. Let's kill a couple of beasts. So no vegans were there. Let's kill a couple of cows. Let's chuck them on the altar and let's just see if we can consume these bad boys. You go first. So off they go. They've picked up the Pentecostals two-step. They're gyrating around. They're calling out, bow, bow, bow. It would have sounded like 750 blokes belching, I reckon. Bow, 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 bow. They all would have had indigestion. Bow, bow. And Elijah's sitting there going, come on, boys. Is he going to turn up or what? Is he on holidays? Is he having a kip? When you're ready, he let him go to lunchtime. Bow, bow. By this stage, they're saying, maybe if we cut ourselves, that'll make it better. So they start slashing themselves. They start running around like idiots. Bow, bow. <laughs> Nothing. And Elijah says, right, that's it. I don't have all day. Time to get this show on the road. So not only does he use the two beasts that are there, he also gets 12 rocks. And then he also says, that, why don't you put a bit of water on that as well? Well, you put water, that's not, how you start to, that's not how you start a fire in Survivor, guys. There's no water. There's no magnesium either, but water's not going to help. You know what? Put another one on there. Put another one on there. Put another one on there. They had to create a moat around this thing because there was so much water in drought. So water was very precious. I probably would have really been grumpy with him anyway, going, we're wasting all this water. And then the next amazing thing that happens is God shows up and just goes, <laughs> disintegrates that thing. There is a big black hole in the ground. They're filthy because all the water's gone too. Gone. Can you imagine what that would have looked like? One guy standing around, these 750 guys are going, oh, we're dead. And they were. Later on, gone. Elijah said, take them down. They're no good. Bunch of oxygen thieves. See you later. Knock them off. But then this is the amazing part for me. We've seen this guy see miracle after miracle after miracle. And you know what he does next? He nicks off again. He's just seen something, the most amazing thing there. He's just knocked off his enemy the king's a bit upset and he's going to run back to his, his uh, Jezebel and say, I can't believe what this guy's doing. His God's real. Ours is no good. And he runs and he hides. But again, the miracles still keep happening. I didn't realise this until I read it again a couple of times. I'd read it a few times. 
before he leaves, he says, right, the drought's going to end. And he says to his servant, go and find the rain cloud. God, yeah, <laughs> that rain cloud, mate, have a look. Go again, go again, go again. Jane Bunn's eight-day weather forecast was saying there's no signs of clouds. There's no signs of rain. And then all of a sudden on the horizon, on the eighth time that he checked, there was this little puffy cloud that built into a big puffy cloud that started to get grey, started to get heavy, and the drought was broken. Like that. I'm believing across this country that someone walks out and sees a little fluffy cloud. I want to see a little fluffy cloud across those countries and it might take eight days and those meteorologists might not have any idea where it comes from. In fact, I'd love to see Jane Bowen go, I don't know where it came from. Why? Because the God that lived with Elijah still lives here today. And we do not declare enough in this place and this is something that we need to start to declare in this church which is what Jimmy was declaring, which is what Pastor Mark was declaring, which is what I was declaring when I was looking for a job over the last three months is we need to start declaring and believe that the God that was helping Elijah is the same God that can help us today. He's just wanting us to ask. We sing these songs this morning, great songs Dan. Even the third one, I'm still coming around to it but I still like it. I see you move, I'll move a mountain. God doesn't want us to go to Mount Kosciuszko in one big church bus and go, let's believe the Mount Kosciuszko will move. He put it there. It's there for a reason. It's there for the hitchhikers, for the whatever hikers. It's not me, the bike riders, or whoever goes up there. It's not my cup of tea. I just look at it, take a photo, that's awesome. But if you've got faith to look at a mountain like Mount Kosciuszko in your health, in your finances, in your mindset, in the country that we're trying to fight for at the moment where there is drought, where there's people that are just tearing our country apart with their thoughts, where fat DJs in Sydney start besmirching the good name of the God, are we going to stand? Are we going to cop it? Or are we going to say, not my God? See, Elijah sees all this stuff and after the rain comes, he says, right, guys, you better get off the mountain. Might get a bit damp. And I read this thing and I nearly fell off my chair. It says that he bolted down the mountain and still beat Ahab down there and he was on a horse and cart. How fast does this guy run? This guy's Usain Bolt. Can you imagine watching this lunatic from the top of the road? There he goes. It looked like the flash to hide again and he hides under a tree and an angel turns up it's like give us a spell angel comes and feeds his now he's upgraded from birds to an angel and he still goes and hides he gets fed and it takes 40 days and where does he go he doesn't go back to pick a fight he goes and hides in a cave a cave this guy's seen stuff that we can only imagine seeing and where does he end up in a cave Who's been in a cave? I've been in a cave. Physical and also up here. Dan was sharing this morning. Jimmy was sharing this morning. There are people that come into a church and you feel like the whole world's against you. It's because the devil doesn't want you to succeed. He wants you to fail. The last two times I preached here, stuff happened. I wasn't happy about it. The first time I lost my job. Thank you for the blessing. 
The second time I preach, my dad ends up in hospital and has to have bypass surgery. Thank you for the blessing. But then when you grab a hold of this thing, you get it. We should be the happiest people on the planet. But the great thing about Elijah is he's seen more things than any of us to see unless we start to see and ask for God to see these things and we start to declare, oh, I want to see that same stuff as that song said. You know, God, I do believe I can move a mountain. Well, move one. <laughs> come on, move one. We should come in here with stories bursting out of our mouths going, I can't believe how God blessed me. When Kelly shared that amazing story, when she rang up the bank and they said, we don't know if you've got enough money, lady, but hang on, now we realise you do have enough money. And she goes, thank you, Jesus. That's moving a mountain. I opened up my gas bill this week. I'm like, dear God, it's going to be big. Because I have people in my house that need to be warm all the time. And I'm like, dear Jesus, I know it's big. And I was looking after my, my mum and she was there and she feels the cold. So the heater was on solid. I'm like, it's over to you, God. I get a letter this week and I opened it. I'm like, oh, it's thick. There's a lot of pages. And I open up that bill. And this idiot electricity and gas company says, you didn't tell us that the seasons changed. So we've charged with the wrong rates. I didn't realise that I was a calendar for the electricity and gas company to say, hi guys, just want to give you a heads up, it's now winter. <laughs> Not my job. And they said, so because we, 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 we charged you wrong, you spent $500 last time you paid your bill and you should have only spent 140 and because this bill, when you have had the heater going on like there's no tomorrow, when you're making sure that the environment feels like barley from 9 till 10 at night, <laughs> you're in. We can only charge you $39. <laughs> it was 20 degrees outside, I turned the heater on just to celebrate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. And then I turned it off. I said, sorry, Jesus, I'm not here to sit. <laughs> There's a mountain. We've all got mountains. Some of us have got molehills. Some of us look like the Grand Canyon. But God. Thank you, Mum. But God. Are you working, walking into your workplace with the joy of the Lord being your strength and saying, come on, bring it. I don't care if nobody's buying anything, they're going to buy it off me because I've got the Holy Spirit behind me and he's saying, say this stuff and I'm going to say it to that bloke and even though he's an old wrinkle-haired bloke and he's a Telstra shareholder, he's going to bring all his services over to Optus. That's what I'm believing for. Dear God, that's what I'm believing for. I'm declaring it today that when I walk into that place, the place that I've never been successful, never, and I'm walking back in that place. They made me jump through hoops, fiery. They made me suck up to people like I didn't want to suck up to in my life. But I said, thank you, Jesus. If every other door's closed and this is the one that's open, then I'm walking straight through it. But I'm walking straight through it with a victory this time. I'm walking straight through it so I can be an example to those people, so I can be an example to the environment that I'm around, and that I can show them that my God is real and he's not asleep at the wheel. Come on. It's sometimes required to put our big boy pants on 
and not roll over and cop it, but stand up to it. Have a bit of gumption like Elijah did, where he tells a king off and says, mate, sorry, no showers for you for three years. And at this stage, Elijah's in the cave, and this is what I love. I love this. He's in the cave. Why was me? I'm the only one on the planet that loves you, God. I'm the only one. Obviously forgot about poor old Obadiah, quick sticks, but anyway, I'm the only one. He wasn't the only one. And it says that while he was in that cave, there was this massive wind come through that place. I don't know about you, but the wind, I'm just not a big fan of it. I'm more of a breeze guy myself. I need to feel everything around me rattling. And it says in the, in the word there that it says that this wind was fierce, that rocks were cracking in half. It would have been amazing. It didn't come out. And then it said the wind died down, and that's when he knew it was God. He said, come on, get out. Get out. But I'm the only one, God. It's me. I'm still worried about the lunatic lady and her puppet master husband. Now, God didn't bag him out and go, listen here, you little wuss. He said, come on, come on, grab my hand and let's go. There might be some of you, think about that. And you're in the cave. I know what it's like to be in the cave. That's why I write to this guy. This is the guy that God never gave up on. This is the guy that saw the most amazing things. I hope to see these amazing things one day. But it might be different. It might be walking into a kid's ward one day and God says, pray for those kids and they get up and walk out of bed. It might be that person that's in the shopping aisle who's got a physical condition and that I can walk up to them and pray for them and then they say, hey, you've healed me. It might be someone who looks like they're happy on the outside but they're doing it tough on the inside. And I can pray for them. And that voice in their head goes with positive thoughts. Come on, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. But we can only do it when we take God with us. And we are so blessed that we can now take Jesus with us. That was an awesome message this morning, Lauren. Beautiful. If God is for us, then who can be against us? No one. But we've got to believe it, guys. Because it's all fine and dandy to be gyrating around when everything's perfect and we sit there, oh, God's good, everything's great. And then all of a sudden when the rug gets pulled out from under you, <laughs> oh, jeez, I'm not sure about this. And we recoil. And it's okay. Just don't stay there. Don't stay there. Happy, 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 joy, joy. We forget it. I went and saw a movie this week, which is terrifying. The Joker. Jeepers. Not a godly movie. But I'll tell you what it did show me. Is it shows me that whatever the writers were doing, that when society is against you, and when nobody loves you, and when nobody supports you, then life is tough. And life might be tough for a few of you here. And I have empathy for it. My life hasn't been all peaches and cream either. But I'll tell you what it has been. It's been a journey where I've been so thankful that I've had God by my side, holding my hand going, come on, come on, come on. 
He doesn't judge me. He doesn't have a point system for sin. Some churches will tell you they does. Well, if you see a cookie, that's five points. If you sit in someone's chair, that's ten. <laughs> and if you don't raise your hand, that's another fifteen. Back off. You're here. And if we're not welcoming people in here, then what are we doing? We're not here to put on a show. We do all right, though. But we're not here to put on pageants. We're not here and having the best bands. We're not here to have 15 guitarists up on the stage just ripping it. We're here because God has called us here to make sure that our life is happy so that when we go back outside of the church bubble, we're actually influencing the people that were around. We're actually sharing with them and go, hey, do you mind if I pray for you? Hey, do you mind if I actually say, hey, can you want to come over for dinner so I can give you a meal even though I know your pantry's empty, I'm going to give you a meal because the Holy Spirit told me to bake you a meal? Just don't do mince and cabbage. Just because you like it doesn't mean everyone else is going to like it. <laughs> Stick with a casserole lasagna type sort of get up. But if they do bring you mince and cabbage, you eat that thing and you'll be thankful. <laughs> Put some HP or barbecue sauce on it. Ask it to taste like cheeseburgers when it's going down. My message is simple. Sometimes we forget what God can do. Sometimes we get so caught up and sticking in the New Testament, because that's where the cool stuff happened with Jesus, and he's awesome. But sometimes it's good to reflect on some of these other blokes who saw amazing things. Amazing things. I want to see amazing things. Frankston Church deserves to see amazing things. I refuse to accept the postcode. I refuse to accept the history. I'm looking forward and I'm looking forward into what God has for this church and what God has for the people sitting in this church and for what God has got for the people sitting out of this church that need to come into this church that will only start coming into this church when they start to see how happy we are. Are we happy? If you're not happy, that's okay. You can get happy. God wants you to be happy. God wants you to be successful. God wants you to change lives. We all have a calling. I haven't done this for years. <laughs> I didn't want to do it. And I don't know what he wants to do next. I can't wait. Because when our faith is ready, that's when we start to see stuff. Because God doesn't give us anything we can't handle. I beg your pardon. That's the fact. God will not give you anything that you can't handle without him. And then he'll get you through that one. And then the next one comes. He goes, remember what happened last time? That's right. I trusted in you. Okay, I'll get through that one. And then I'll get through that one. And then I'll get through that one. Because when I start getting through those things, maybe then I can be 
have the boldness of Elijah to go. I declare to that rain cloud, you drop that rain. And I baffle those meteorologists. They go, how does he know? The computers say this. God says rain. And I hope it's only eight days away. In fact, I hope it's only eight minutes away for those poor communities. But I don't know. All I can do is pray. All I can do is thank God for what I've, where he's blessed me. And all I can do is keep pushing on to whatever the next challenge is. I'm ready for what's coming next week because it's coming. Because history says it is. But with God, I'm ready for it. Take the Holy Spirit with you is what my grandmother used to say. <laughs> Stop it. Take the Holy Spirit with you every day. Not Sundays. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Every day. Take him into that meeting. Take him into that schoolyard. Take him into that class meeting where you've got Jezebel sitting around the table trying to snipe you and stand up and go, I'm not sticking for that. Because the same God that looked after Elijah is the same God that looks after you. And the more you grab a hold of it, the more that you realise it, the more that you grab it and you run with it and you start praising him and you start singing when things are tough, when you start praying when things are tough, whatever that might be, the more strength you get and all of a sudden this little light of mine is not a little light of mine, it's a bonfire inside your belly. That's a stupid song. And I know because I used to sing it when I was doing kids ministry. This little light of mine, I want to let it shine. Nick off. No light. Big light. Spotlight. High lux looking for animals out in the wilderness light. I don't condone that. Only because I don't know how to do it. No little light. Big light. Light that bad boy up with a bit of caro. We've all got a light. It's up to you how big it gets. But if you can take any encouragement out of today, oh jeez, I'm going over, sorry Jimmy. If there's any encouragement out of today is start believing that God's going to drip some caro on that thing with his Holy Spirit where it starts to go, I can take this. I'm ready for this week. I'm ready for this challenge. Bring it on. Devil, back off. I'm kicking you. You stick your head up again, I'm going to stomp down on it like that. And he'll keep coming because he's an idiot. Like Ahab, idiot. But if you let him keep his head up, he'll come up and he'll, he'll harass the living life out of you. And all of a sudden you're back in a cave. But then you can come out of the cave. It doesn't matter how many times you start, just start. Amen. Amen. I'm going to leave you with this little verse. Oh dear, thank goodness I've got a protector. Whew. Let me just read this verse. Today's scripture comes from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand. For us, taking paths which he has prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life which he has prearranged and made ready for us to live. It's done already. Stop thinking about it. 
Just give it to him. My mum and I used to have some very robust conversations when dad was in hospital. What are we going to do next week? What are we doing when he gets home? What are we going to... Mum, just live today. Because all I've got control of is today. All that's happened yesterday, if I look back, I just get a sore neck. All I've got is today, and then what happens tomorrow, and then what happens after that. But understand this. It's done already. You've just got to buy into it. You've just got to say, right, put my big, big boy pants on like I had to this morning, and say, right, oh God, I don't have the answers, but you do. Let's go. And you'll cop a few around the chin. You'll cop a few. Because the devil's not going to go, well, that's too bad. Sorry, guys, we just lost one. Absolutely not. He loves knocking off Christians. That's his favourite. Because you know the truth and you don't live it. And it's not a judgement. It's not about turning up to church every Sunday. It's not about it. It's just saying, God, I'm praying every day. But then if you turn up to church, that's where you get energised. Recharge. Ready for the week. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you that you're awesome. Father, I thank you the challenges that are faced before us, but Father, I thank you that if we speak to that mountain, you'll move it. And Father, I pray over this bunch of awesome, amazing people. Father, we have a great church. Father, we have great people in this church. Father, I pray that this week, Father, would be the start of confidence, of belief, of happiness, of uh, setting an example. Father, that people would look to us and go, why are you different? Father, as, as Lauren shared this morning, the world's gone bats over the climate change and what the world's going to do. But Father, if we just stand where it doesn't matter. It's your world, God. We're just living in it. And Father, we just pray that Father, right now, across this awesome country, this great south land of the Holy Spirit that sometimes we forget about. There's been prophesied over this great south land of the Holy Spirit. Father, we pray for rain across all of those territories, Lord. That, Father, when we get up in the morning, if it's raining in Melbourne, we don't whinge and go, oh, it's raining. We go, thank you, Jesus, for the rain. But can you please send it to those places that don't have rain? Father, we pray right now that, Father, all of those creeks, those rivers, those dams, whatever it is, Father, because the people in Canberra can't put two words together, that, Father, you can and you feel that thing. Father, this country would be prosperous. Father, this country would turn to you. And Father, through this heartache, if it's just about a farmer walking out and seeing that cloud and remembering the story that he might have heard in children's church one time about all Elijah said is look for that cloud. And Father, I pray that across this place, that whatever that cloud is that we're looking for, that we're dealing with, whether it's in our schools, our workplace, our homes, whatever it might be, Lord, that, Father, we can take hold of the fact that I've seen the cloud and I'm waiting for it to build and I'm waiting for it to rise and I'm waiting to see what it's got for me because, as you said in your word, you've already predestined my future, God. I don't know what it is, but, Father, you know what it is. Father, I pray your protection over every single person in this place. And, Father, I pray that next week, Father, we hear awesome testimonies and, Father, that we would actually start to see your gifts and your miracles start to permeate across this place, that it start to permeate across our community, that it start to permeate across our state, Lord, and across our country. And Father, finally, bless ScoMo. 
Father, at least he, whether we bat for the red, the green, the white, the orange, whatever colour party it is, Father, the fact that he's a godly man and you've put him in power, Father, we just pray your protection over him. We pray for guidance. And, Father, we just pray that whatever it is that he can do to influence, Father, your will, Father, then we'll stick, we'll stick by him, Lord. And everybody said? Amen. Amen.